You are listening to a podcast by Spring Hill Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. Spring Hill Church is called to reach everyday people with God's grace, His unconditional love, and the life-changing power of His Word. Thanks for listening, and if you would like more information, you can visit us online at springhill.cc. This is week number five in our series on Keys to Powerful Prayer. And uh, we're doing this to help you become more effective in your prayer life. I want you to, to love spending time with prayer and or spending time in prayer. I don't want you to ever see prayer as a chore or some type of religious obligation that we have to fulfill. I want it to be something that you enjoy doing and that you see results from it. God's desire is, is that prayer does something. It changes us. It takes us into the presence of God, but then also allows the power of God to be able to impact our lives and our circumstances. And so let's look at our foundation scripture found in James chapter five, verse 16. And as we're doing every week, I'm going to read it from the new King James version, the amplified classic, and then the passion translation. The verse in its entirety from the New King James says this, Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. The Amplified Bible on that last phrase of verse 16 says, The earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. And then in the Passion Translation, it it says this, for tremendous power is released through the passionate, heartfelt prayer of a godly believer. And so prayer is, is our communication with God. It's our fellowship with God. And prayer is what connects us to the power of God. And so today, you know, we've been laying groundwork in the previous four uh, sermons on this series, but I want to begin to get specific and drill down on some things that I believe will help you and impact your prayer life. Let me ask you a question today. Do you have anybody in your family that, that doesn't know the Lord that's lost? Do you have any coworkers that are lost? Do you have anybody close to you that doesn't know the Lord that has never been born again? Well, we're going to talk today about how you can pray for people who do not know the Lord and see God move in their lives. And so I believe that's tremendously important because we all have people in our lives that don't know Jesus, that don't have a personal relationship with Jesus. And so let's lay some groundwork in this. Let's establish a fact right here at the beginning. And that is this salvation The gift of salvation has already been purchased for all mankind and forgiveness awaits all who will receive it. Let me say that to you again. Salvation has already been purchased. The work has already been done and it's been done for all mankind and forgiveness awaits all who receive it. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 10 verses 12 through 14. Verse 12 says this, but this man talking about Jesus, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, 
sat down at the right hand of God, from that time waiting till his enemies are made his footstool, and for by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. So the price has been paid once and for all for every man, woman, boy, and girl since the resurrection of the Lord Jesus to have an opportunity to be born again. The work is done, the price is paid, and all a person has to do is receive that free gift of God's grace and mercy. Colossians 1.14 in the New King James says this, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. And so the blood of Jesus has already purchased our redemption. It's already purchased our forgiveness. It's something that has already been done. And it's not something that happens anew every time somebody receives Christ. Jesus doesn't come down from heaven, get back here on the earth, get back on the cross, pay the price every single time. No, the sacrifice was made one time for all humanity. And so therefore it is an established redemptive fact that salvation awaits every human being. Colossians 1.14 in the New Living says that he purchased our freedom, purchased, past tense, our freedom and forgave our sins. So the price has been paid for all and forgiveness is available for all. So why then is not everyone saved? You know, there's some that teach that everyone is saved and that no one is going to go to hell and that, that flies in the face of the gospel. But the truth of the matter is salvation and forgiveness must be received. It is not automatic. It is not something, just this blanket thing that God did, and therefore every, every person, every human being is going to heaven. No salvation and forgiveness for our sins and the price that Jesus paid must be received and received by faith. So for us to pray for unsaved friends and loved ones and family members, and, and pray prayers such as, Lord, save so-and-so. They're unscriptural because the work of salvation has already been completed. And in God's heart and mind, it is established. And so mankind just has to open his heart and receive what God has already done. Now I want to take you over to Romans chapter 10, verses 13 through 15. You're probably familiar with Romans 10, 9 and 10, that if any man shall confess with his mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in his heart that God's raised him from the dead, he shall be saved. Well, in verse 13, it says this, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And I'm reading from the New Living Translation. So everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But notice it says that, that you have to call. And of course, that call means to open your heart and receive. So for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him. And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And verse 15 says, and how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? 
That is why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. Now, Paul lays out for us in Romans chapter 10, verses 13 through 15, the process of how salvation comes about in someone's life. Here we go. The first step is they call on him because they believe in him. So people receive Christ because faith has arisen in their hearts. And of course, we know later on in this same chapter, Paul said, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So they call on him because they believe in him. They believe in him because they have heard about him. They've heard that he loves them. They've heard that he died for them. And they hear because someone tells them. Then lastly, people go and tell them because they are sent. So let's, let's walk through this. People get saved. They get born again because faith arises in their heart. They believe the message. They believe the message because they've heard the message. And they hear the message because someone tells it to them. And people go and tell them because they are sent. So what that means is, and, and the word sent in verse 15 is where we get the word apostle from. It just means that one who is sent by God to proclaim the truth to people. And of course, this is the assignment of every believer. We're all supposed to make ourselves available to be sent by the Lord to minister the gospel to people that need it. We're, we are to be available for the Lord to use us in that way. And so that means that all of us who are believers today are believers because someone was sent to us to tell us the good news of the gospel. Now, if that's the case, which it is, then listen to this. People are sent because we pray for them to be sent. In other words, God moves on the heart of someone and ministers to them and leads them or sends them to go and minister the word of God to someone, to minister the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ to them. In Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 through 38, it says this, Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered, like sheep having no shepherd. Verse 37, then he said to his disciples, and listen to this carefully, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. So Jesus tells us how, well, first of all, Paul laid out by the Holy Spirit the process in which someone gets saved, and it boils down to someone being sent to minister the gospel. And then Jesus told us that we need to pray and ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Someone might say, well, if the Lord wants to send forth laborers into the harvest, why doesn't he just send them? Well, you need to understand some things. 
First of all, God can do nothing in the earth unless man gives him permission. And, and that's a whole nother message. It goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. And man was given dominion and authority in the earth. And God did that in his sovereignty. You know, some people, again, they have the misbelief that, that God can do anything he wants to, whenever he wants to. And that just simply is not the case because if it was, why did Jesus tell us to pray? Why did Jesus tell us to ask the Lord of the harvest to send people? If, if God can just arbitrarily send people, then we don't need to pray. And, and of course that flies in the face of what Jesus said. So even though it's still up to the person to open their heart, their free will, to receive the gospel message, at least they can be, they can hear the gospel message because someone is sent to them to deliver that message. And, and here's something I love about God. You know, God is much smarter than we are. I don't know if you've learned that yet. I have finally takes a little while, but it finally sunk in. But listen, God knows the exactly the right person who can reach your unsaved loved one, that family member, that friend, God knows exactly who they will listen to. Someone that knows the Lord and has the gospel in their heart, has the word of God in their heart, God knows exactly who they will listen to. And so he knows who can influence them to make a decision for the Lord. And so when we pray and we ask God to send laborers into the harvest, we're giving God the permission, the open door to be able to move in the earth and move in the life of that unsaved loved one or friend and bring someone into their life that can minister the word to them. Now, here's something else you can also pray for, and that is you can pray that God will pour out his goodness in their lives so that it will bring them to a place of repentance. You know, there's a lot of Christians that think that it's, it's the wrath of God that brings people to repentance. It, it's the anger of God that brings people to a place where they change their hearts and their minds. That's not what the word says. In Romans chapter two and verse four, it says, oh, do you despise the riches of his goodness, his forbearance and long suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? Folks, it's when people discover that God is good and that God loves them, that God sent Jesus to pay the price for them. That's what causes their hearts to be opened. You know, we've gotten it all messed up and preaching that God is mad at people and God is angry at people. And, and, and you know, there is a justice side of God, but thank God in this dispensation that we're living in on this side of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, we are living in a time where God is pouring out his goodness and his mercy and his grace in people's lives. And, and according to what Paul said, it is the goodness of God that leads people to repentance. So here's what you can pray. Lord, send or show so-and-so your goodness. Reveal to them how good you are. Now, you can also pray 
for their supernatural protection, especially if they're involved in activities that could endanger them. You know, if you've got a child that has gone off course and, and, and is fooling around in areas that they don't need to be messing with, you can pray and ask God to supernaturally protect them until they can be reached with the gospel. Now, here's something else you can also do. You can also break the power of the devil over them because it is he that is blinding their minds to the gospel. Now, what does that mean? Well, in the name of Jesus, we have authority over the works of darkness. We have authority over the, the power of the devil, the authority of the devil working in people's lives. And what we need to understand is it is him at work in their lives that is keeping the gospel from getting to them. Second Corinthians chapter four, verses three and four in the New Living Bible says this, if the good news we preach is hidden behind a veil, it is hidden only from people who are perishing. Now somebody might wonder, well, who's doing the hiding? Well, he explains, verse four, Satan, who is the God of this world, little g, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. God isn't blinding people's minds so they can't receive him. No, he's doing everything he can to get light to them. It's Satan and his team that are endeavoring to blind people to the truth of the gospel. And so they are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. And so what we can do is three things. Number one, you pray and you ask the Lord to send laborers or send people into their lives that can minister the gospel to them. You can pray for supernatural protection and you can also take authority over the power of the devil in their lives that's blinding them from the gospel and from being able to hear the truth and the light of God's word. So your prayer could go something like this. Lord, I ask you, the Lord of the harvest, to send forth perfect laborers into the life of my loved one to share the good news of the gospel. Let them say it, let the people that are sent say it in a special way so that my family members, my coworkers, whoever, they will listen and understand it. I believe that they will not be able to resist the drawing of your spirit as you bring them to repentance by overwhelming them with your goodness and love. Now, Satan, I break your power over their minds, over their souls, which you are doing to endeavor to keep the gospel from getting to them. I break your power over their life right now in Jesus name. And so father, I thank you that you are moving in their life and the gospel is reaching them in Jesus name. Now, here's what I want to tell you. And I, I know this from experience. <clears throat> Don't discount God's moving in someone's life in any way. Let me, let me explain what I mean. If someone opens the door just a little bit. They crack the door just a little bit. God will step into their life. God will move in their life in a great way. Um, so don't discount anything 
And, you know, it could be a television program. It could be, you know, it could be a number of things. Whatever God chooses to use to bring the gospel to them, be okay with that. Now, for the balance of our sermon today, I want to talk to you. That's how you pray for unbelievers, for people that need the Lord. I want to talk to you for a little while about how do you pray for believers? How do you pray for people who have been born again? Now, you know, you might call me naive, but I believe that most born again believers genuinely want to pursue the things of God in his direction for their lives. They may not know how they may not know what that means. They, you know, they might be just totally in the dark as far as what God's will plan and purpose is for their life. But I believe something down on the inside of them wants to pursue that. And so what happens is in, in that ignorance, the enemy can come in and bring confusion and questions because they do not know what they're supposed to be doing. You know, maybe they're not hearing the word of God. Maybe they're in a, a situation. Maybe they're not going to church at all. Or maybe they're in a church where they're not being taught the word of God in its fullness. And uh, so they, they don't know. And so if, if people do not know what to do, they always revert to do what they do know to do. Let me say that to you again. It sounds like a tongue twister. If people do not know what to do, then they always revert to what they do know to do. You might have heard it said, when people don't know what to do, they always revert to what they've always done. And the same thing is true with Christian people that don't know any better. So what do they need? They need help. Well, 1 John chapter 1 and verse 7 says this, but if we walk in, and this is key, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Did you pick up, did you, did you key in on that first phrase? If we walk in the light. So what believers need in order to grow and mature and to walk out the, the plan of God for their lives is they need light or revelation from the word of God and from the spirit of God. And so what needs to happen is they're, they're, the light needs to turn on, so to speak. You know, the old cartoon thing when in the cartoons, when somebody would get an idea, you know, it was always a light bulb that appeared over their, their heads. In other words, the light came on. Well, you know, that's actually kind of what happens spiritually is that what God desires to do is to pour light and revelation into the life of a believer so that that believer can grow and mature in the things of God. Ephesians chapter five and verse eight says this, for you were once in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. So God desires to bring light into our lives. And so the reason that we don't do what we need to do spiritually is because the light hasn't come on. Or, you know, other than just blatantly disobedient, you know, being disobedient. I'm talking about someone who just is trying, but they just don't know better. They just need light. They need revelation. So every believer needs more light or revelation from God's word for us to grow and our lives to be different and better. You can also say it this way. We need light and revelation to mature spiritually. Now, it's still your choice 
as to whether you walk in the light you receive, but God desires to pour light into your life. And so fortunately, Paul, in his writings, gave us three specific prayers that we can pray for believers. Now, one of these is found in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 through 20. And I'm going to read all of these verses so that we can get them. Ephesians 1, 15 through 20, and this is a prayer. Now, listen, let me say this to you. Even though Paul was praying this prayer for the church at Ephesus, if it's good enough for the church at Ephesus, it's good enough for the church in Charlotte or or any of the surrounding communities. My point is, if it was good enough to pray for believers in Ephesus at the time that it was prayed and recorded, then it's good enough for us to pray this now. So you can do two things. Number one, you can pray these prayers for yourself. You can make them where you, you can go in and you can modify them and you can pray them. I do this for myself. I pray these prayers generally every day over myself. And then as I'm praying for other believers. I pray these prayers for them. But let's read these, these prayers. Ephesians 1 verse 15. Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. Now here's the prayer. Verse 17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the father of glory may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And then that comma can actually be translated, if you will, as through T H R O U G H through. Okay. So that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the father of glory may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him through or by the eyes of your understanding being enlightened so that you may know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. So Paul prayed this prayer and he prayed that the, the spirit of wisdom and revelation would be poured out on these believers and that the eyes of their understanding, one translation says that they would be flooded, flooded with light. Now there's three things that he wanted these believers to get. Number one, that you would know what is the hope of his calling. Number two, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the, in the saints? And then number three, what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe? And so Paul said that we can pray and believe God for revelation to come, not only to ourselves, but to friends and family who are believers, that these three things would, would be revealed to them by the spirit of wisdom and revelation being poured out on their lives. Then over in Ephesians chapter three, verses 16 through 19, he gives us another prayer. And I'm going to read this through the Amplified. It's a little wordy, but it's very powerful. It says this, and this is the prayer Paul prayed. He said, may he grant you out of the rich treasury of his glory to be strengthened and reinforced with mighty power in the inner man by the Holy Spirit himself indwelling your innermost being and personality. May Christ through your faith actually dwell, settle down 
abide, make his permanent home in your hearts. May you be rooted deep in love and founded securely on love that you may have the power and be strong to apprehend and grasp with all the saints, God's devoted people, the experience of that love and what is the breadth and length and depth and height of it that you may really come to know practically through experience for yourselves, the love of Christ, which far surpasses mere knowledge without experience and, and get this last phrase that you may be filled through all your being unto the fullness of God may have the richest measure of the divine presence and become a body wholly filled and flooded with God himself. Man, did you get that? Paul prayed for these Ephesian believers that they would be filled so much with God that they would have the richest measure of his divine presence and just become a body wholly filled with God himself. Man, so you can pray that prayer for yourself and you can pray that prayer for other believers. And then lastly, over in Colossians chapter one, verses nine through 12, if you know someone who is struggling to know what the will of God is for their life, maybe they're at a crossroads and they need to make a decision. Well, here's a great prayer that you can pray for them. He says in verse nine, Colossians one, nine, for this reason, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might, according to his glorious power for all patience and long suffering with joy, giving thanks to the father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. Man, I know that's a mouthful, but the first verse, verse nine, he says, I pray for you and ask that you would be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. You know, you can pray this prayer for yourself. You can pray and say, Lord, I thank you that by the spirit of God, I am filled with the knowledge of your will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Oh yeah, and you can pray that for, you know, family members, other believers. Lord, I pray for so-and-so, and I pray right now in Jesus' name by the Holy Spirit that they would be filled with the knowledge of your will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. You know, that doesn't sound to me at all like God wants us fumbling around. You know, I use this illustration often. You know, I have traveled quite a bit and Maybe you have two and stayed in a hotel room and you're unfamiliar with the surroundings in the hotel room. You know, you've only been there a night or so. And, uh, you know, hotel rooms can get very dark, <laughs> you know, what I call country dark, where you can barely, if all, see, the, see your hand in front of your face. And, you know, sometimes there have been cases when I've had to get up and go use the restroom in the middle of the night in that hotel room and I wake up and I'm totally disoriented. And uh, I, I need some direction, I need some help. And so what happens is, you know, when I come around the corner from where the bed is into the little hallway there in the room, 
You know, there's always a gap underneath the door and there's a little bit of light that creeps in there and it helps me to be able to figure out where I'm going. And so what I'm, you know, what I'm wanting you to see is God doesn't want us fumbling around in the dark, clueless, trying to figure out what his will is. You know, and there's a lot of believers that think that that's the way we're supposed to live. You know, that the will of God is some deep, dark mystery that you never can fully understand and discover. That's not what this verse says. It says that you can be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. And so one last thing I want to say to you is this. The key to praying these prayers for people on your part is to believe that God wants to move as a response or in a response to your prayers. You know, the Bible says it's not God's will, going back talking about praying for unbelievers, it is not God's will that any should perish, but that all should come to the knowledge of the truth. And so God's will is clear. He doesn't want anybody to be lost. And so we know what the will of God is. So do you think if you pray a prayer like this for an unsafe friend or loved one that God isn't going to jump at the opportunity to respond to your prayer and begin to move in that lost person's life? No, he's going to respond and he's going to uh, begin to move in their life. Now, here's what I want to tell you. Even when it looks like or you don't see any clue of God doing anything in that person's life. Don't let go of your faith. Believe what the word says. The word says that you can pray those prayers, God will hear those prayers, and that he is moving in their life. And then if you're praying those uh, Ephesians prayers or the prayers that Paul prayed for those believers, and, and you know, and it doesn't look like anything's changing, don't quit. Stay in faith. Keep praying those prayers and believe that God is moving in the lives of those people. And if you'll stay in faith and you'll continue to pray and thank God. And so after you've prayed, just thank the Lord. Lord, I thank you that you are sending forth laborers into that loved one's life. I believe, Father, that the right people, and I thank you that they're full of the gospel and they're ministering to them. Lord, I thank you for... Uh, the believers in my family. I believe, Father, in Jesus' name, and thank you that revelation is being poured out into their lives. And so once you've prayed that, make it an attitude of praise and worship. Begin to just thank God for doing it, because I promise you, He is. He is moving in their lives in Jesus' name. Well, do you receive this today? I hope you do. And I, I believe that these things will begin to help us to lay the groundwork for powerful prayer in our lives. And I'm telling you, there's nothing more encouraging to you as a believer that is praying for someone that to be praying and then to see God move and to know he listened to your prayers. He heard your prayers. That's encouraging. And uh, God wants to, you know, demonstrate himself to you for, for your encouragement as well. And so he loves us so much. But let me pray and close out this message today. Father, thank you for the word that we've heard. I thank you that the word is true. And that as the Lord Jesus told us, we can pray for unbelievers. And Lord, we can pray that you will send forth laborers into the harvest. And that, Father, you will answer those prayers, that you will send people 
into the lives of our friends and loved ones to preach and to minister the gospel to them. The people, Father, that they will listen to and that they will be anointed to speak exactly the right and proper thing into their lives. And Father, we thank you for it. Lord, I pray for not only my church family and friends, but Lord, I pray for the loved ones that that we all know that are born again. We pray, Father, that you would pour out the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you through the eyes of their understanding being flooded with light. Flood their eyes, Father, spiritually speaking, with the light of your word and the light of the Holy Ghost. Father, I pray that for my church family. I pray that for our friends, Lord, that you would pour out the spirit of wisdom and revelation on them and in them through the eyes of their understanding being flooded with light. And I thank you for it. Lord, we believe you. We believe that you're moving in the lives of the people that we love and hold dear. And we thank you for it and we praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Now, if you're watching this today and you've never given your heart to Christ, I want to invite you to do that today. As we've already said in today's message, Jesus has already done the work. The work to purchase your salvation is already finished. The price has been paid. Jesus' blood has been shed. He's been buried and raised from the dead. And all you have to do is just simply receive that in your heart. Would you just pray a simple prayer with me and say this, say, Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I believe the gospel. I believe the good news. I believe that Jesus died for me. And I believe he was raised from the dead. And I give you permission, Lord Jesus, to come into my heart. Forgive me of my sin. Cleanse me of my past. And I make you the Lord of my life. I take myself off the throne and I put you on the throne, Lord Jesus. Now, thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for cleansing me. Now, fill me to the full with the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, I thank you for it and I praise you for it. Amen. Listen, if you prayed that prayer with me, here's what just happened. You just got born again. You, and you made the best decision that you could have possibly made. And so we celebrate with you. We're excited for you. I'm gonna ask you to do me a favor. Would you just let me know that you prayed that prayer and just send me a quick email, just a one-line email that says, I received Jesus as my savior today. And you can send that to my story, M-Y-S-T-O-R-Y, at springhill.cc. And we'd love to celebrate with you, pray for you, believe God with you. And if you need help in your walk with the Lord, we'll be more than happy to reach out to you and help you and encourage you any way that we possibly can. But we love you so much and we appreciate you. Thanks once again for tuning in to the Spring Hill Church Podcast. We hope that you have been blessed by today's message. If you would like more information about the church, please feel free to visit us at springhill.cc.